0: This is Betting with Bobby on the Horse Racing Radio Network.
1: Three quarters, one-eleven and four, now with a quarter of a mile to go. Betwise takes over the lead, moves away by a length and a half. No more flowers moving on the rail, out in the center of the track, it's gone west. And we come back to Leo Castelli. Now with an eighth of a mile to go, Betwise has taken charge and draws off by two and a half lengths. The battle will be for a second, no more flowers, and gone west, these two noses apart. They come to the wire, bet twice,
2: goes away easily by two. No more flowers, second, and gone west was third.
0: Now, here's Bobby Newman.
1: Good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of Betting with Bobby here on the Horse Racing Radio Network. I'm Bobby Newman here every Friday afternoon with you bringing you live action from around the country from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern time. We've got action from everywhere today. Santa Anita, Gulfstream Park, Oaklawn Park, Fairgrounds, as well as Aqueduct, where they're arriving at the starting gate right now for the sixth race on the Aqueduct card. 40 degrees, sunny skies right now. And the main track is fast as they get close to the gate for race number six, a mile and three sixteenths the distance here. It's an allowance optional claiming event for four year olds and up, non winners of one other than or in for a claiming price of $45,000. Scratch the plain one, part of an entry. Reddington, who was the preferred half of the entry, with him out. Fans have settled in on number three, McCallum who was the second choice on the morning line at 2-1, to one, but all the money coming in on McAllen. Now, he is even money on the board for the team of Todd Pletcher and Manny Franco. McAllen uh, has been running against the A-Other-Than level allowance horses uh, basically the last five starts of his career, and he's running decent races, although not winning, and I'm not really sure knocking on the door, thirds, fourths, things like that. Um, and he hasn't been favored really in any of those races, but uh, public seems to think he has found the right spot today. And he's uh, bet down, maybe over bet, if you will, at even money on the board. Second choice is number five, systemic change for Chad Brown and Dylan Davis. Uh, tried optional two other than competition on a sloppy track last time out and didn't run very well at all. Uh, so was running a, a little bit, uh, you know, kind of running. Over his head that day, he's now back in uh, where he belongs and uh, getting a fast track may be the thing that helps him the most. He just didn't look like he liked the wet track at all. By the way, it is supposed to rain tonight and all day tomorrow at Aqueduct. So if you are planning to bet on that big Saturday card highlighted by a couple of graded stakes, the Gotham and the Tom Fool, be prepared that they could have an off racetrack tomorrow tomorrow at Aqueduct. Of, no, of course, no turf racing scheduled at all this time of year in New York, so you don't have to worry about the off the turf because there is no turf right now in New York, but they are expecting rain all day tomorrow in New York, and uh, it very likely will catch uh, less than fast conditions on the main track for that big car. They've got four stakes, I believe, tomorrow out at Aqueduct, uh, the two biggest ones being the Gotham and the Tom Fool. And uh, Bob Nastanovich and I are actually going to talk about both of those races during our AM wager weekend stakes preview, which comes up two hours from now. Last few going in, here's Chris Griffin with the rest of the load and the call. Race six over at the big A.
3: Systemic change. Rungus, last to load. Rungus goes in. All set. And they're off. It's a little tight there between Centavo and also McAllen. Now they're more settled. Rungus from the outside draw will cross over and does it pretty easily here. It's going to be Rungus to take him towards that first turn and taps on the brakes. And that's going to stack him up in behind. Tightly at the rail there is Midnight Trouble. Also in there is McAllen. It's Midnight Trouble just wrangled back in here. Is Beyond Best is in the clear. Is now alone in second. Systemic change is three wide in that second grouping is in fifth. The trailer is Centavo. They're chasing Rungus and Ruben Silvera, it's a slow tempo up top, Half-length lead here on Beyond Bess, who's stalking right here off of the pace setter. Midnight trouble wants to go. Is right there at the rail, is saving ground to the inside. McAllen to the outside of that rival. That's the leading four. Just a touch wide there. Systemic changes in the center of the racetrack. And the trailer is centavo, and they are crawling. 25 and 4. The posted opening quarter mile. Rungus at 8-1's got the lead. Another long shot towards the outside. Beyond Bess. And Abner Nordo encourages this rival to move closer. It's back to within the neck of the leader. McAllen still in between horses nowhere yet for midnight trouble at the rail systemic change is still three wide in that group Centavo's going to have to pass them all, and they went 50-4 and four for the half-mile time. Less than a half mile to go, and Rungus is up top. Beyond best is all in here from second. A lineup in behind that is chasing Rungus, who's on the front end. It's systemic change, who moves to the outside four wide. At the rail, midnight trouble looking for room. McCallan is in that tight group as well. Centavo is making up some ground, and here comes Centavo, who's going to be wide, tightly bunched here as they approach a quarter mile left to go. Rungus is still in hand here, and Rungus now gets the cue to kick for Home. Centavo, though, is rolling on the grandstand side, and systemic change is in between those two. It's Rungus approaching a final furlong. Systemic change continues to chase. Centavo is now stalling after that move. It is all Rungus still. Rungus is spending them off. Systemic change is a clear second. McCallum is rallying on, but running out of time. Rungus is almost there. Slow tempo, and Rungus will take him all the way. Rungus gets the win. McCallum up late for second. Systemic change and beyond best in two minutes. Point five, two seconds.
1: Unofficially, six three five and one A, the top four finishers in the sixth race at Aqueduct. Number six, Rungus, You heard it there in the call. Uh, able to uh, get away with easy fractions up front and had enough left late to hold off the late bid of the favorite, McAllen, who uh, was second best and, as I mentioned, probably overbet just a bit in this sixth race at Aqueduct. Six three five and one A unofficial top four finishers in that race at aqueduct we'll get you those prices in just a little bit over to Gulfstream park we go and they are uh, get about two three minutes away from post time for the seventh race it's a mile and an eighth on the main track 77 degrees here in south florida right now cloudy skies main track is fast the turf is firm and um They're supposed to have good weather all weekend, including for that big Fountain of Youth card tomorrow at Gulfstream. This seventh race, an allowance-optional claiming event for three-year-olds, non-winners of one other than, or in for a claiming tag of $75,000. Scratch number three, Speak Easy. He was the three-to-five favorite on the morning line, but he's actually going to run in the Fountain of Youth tomorrow, breaking from the rail for the team of Irad Ortiz Jr. and Todd Pletcher. And a lot of people think that he's got a big chance in the Fountain of Youth, so why not skip over this allowance race and go to the graded stake instead with him out of this race? Everyone is uh, betting on number six Conquest Warriors for Shug McGahee and Jose Ortiz. Uh look good coming from well off the pace to get up and win by a half a length breaking his maiden at a mile, which is a one-turn mile at Gulfstream Park last time out. Uh, He is by City of Light out of a pulpit mare. I don't think there should be any issue with the added distance today. Uh, He hasn't run in about a month and a half. Not too concerned about that with the Shug McGahee trainees either. He usually likes to give them a little bit of time. And uh, certainly looks like Conquest Warrior off his last race is going to be one of the ones to beat uh, in this spot. Uh, Checking around the country over at Fairgrounds. They're about eight minutes away from post for the sixth race. And we've got about uh, 14 minutes for the sixth race over at Oaklawn Park. So uh, they are gathering momentum as they get near the starting gate at Gulfstream and uh, arriving for this mile and an eighth affair. Mile and an eighth at Gulfstream is a race on the main track, a distance that they don't usually run. Uh, they, of course, use that distance for the Florida Derby every year. And for the last several years since its inception, they've used the race, used that uh, distance for the Pegasus World Cup Invitational. But other than that, mostly no. And one of the reasons they don't use it, well, a couple of reasons. One, you just don't see a whole lot of main track mile and an eighth races anywhere in the United States anymore. But two, with the configuration of the track at Gulfstream, and it's been a, it's it's changed since they have the new facility. When I say new facility, it's about 15, 20 years old right now. But um, with the configuration of the of the track at Gulfstream, the mile and an eighth start is a very, very short run to the first turn. It, it is such a short run that, I mean, w- with the exception of when you have a horse like Forte last year who just laid over the Florida Derby field, you know, you, you're really up against it. When you're breaking, you know, from post 9, 10, 11, and 12. Now, in this race, there were only seven entered and only six will run. So I don't think it's a gigantic issue, whatever post position you have in this race. But normally, I mean, if you, you know, going forward and let's face it, I, I mean, there may only be two times a year that you have to worry about these things at Gulfstream Park in the Pegasus and the Florida Derby because, let's face it, the few other times that they run a mile and an eighth on the dirt, they're probably not getting full fields. Um, But in those races, I mean, a a perfect example, and you may say it didn't matter anyway, the inaugural running of the Pegasus World Cup, uh, a lot of people thought going in was going to be a match race between Arrogate and California Chrome. Um, and whether or not you think Arrogate was just simply better than California Chrome, and I do think that, uh, the race was over as soon as they drew the post positions. Arrogate drew the rail, California Chrome drew the outside, which I think may have been the 10 hole. In the, I don't know if there were 10 or 12 in that in that original one. Um, but it, whatever chance you thought that California Chrome had going into that race when the post positions were drawn, that was it. Uh, he had no chance. There is no chance that he's going to basically be able to give, you know, three lengths away to Arrogate or whatever it is by trying to, you know, find position from that outside gate. Uh, We don't have to worry about it so much with this race. As I mentioned, just a field of six and all the public all over number six, Conquest Warrior, who figures to come from off the pace. One of the horses he's going to have to pass is number one, Merritt. Now, Merritt is another one that was cross-entered. He was entered in the Florida Derby as well, so he will obviously come out of that race as he stays in here. And um, he, he's a horse who's going to be forwardly placed. He looked really good breaking his maiden for Safi Joseph uh, back in November and then came back about a month ago and ran a decent third against a similar type of allowance foes. Um, I'm not 100% sure that he wants a mile and an eighth, but he may have a little bit of a tactical advantage, uh, speaking of uh, Florida Sires, a tactical advantage over the others in this field, including the big favorite Conquest Warrior. They're at the gate right now, loading in for this seventh race over at Gulfstream Park, waiting for number seven. Tap it three times to move in. We'll hand it off for Pete Iello with the rest of the load and the call. Race seven. Hallandale Beach, Florida, Gulfstream Park.
4: There are in the gate. And they're off. From the rail, Merritt comes out firing with Ragel moving up between horses. Also into the top flight is Nomos. Out on the far outside is the Gray Tap at three times. Jose Ortiz is calmly backing off with Conquest Warrior. He's racing second last and five to the trailer, the late-running Secret Lover. In run around the first turn, Merritt has the lead. He's on top of length and a half. Ragel is second on the outside. That's tapping three times third. A very good spot early for Conquest Warrior. He's favored at three to five and fourth, about two and a half lengths off the speed. Two and a half more to Nomos, who was with the leaders at the start, and the trailer is Secret Lover. Less than six furlongs to run in the race. The quarter time was 23 and three, and Merritt has the lead. He's a length and a half in front. Ragel is second, moving out the Rail Conquest Warriors into a joint third with a gray tap at three times on the outside. They go two better than Nomos, and then it's a gap of another six to Secret Lover, who's out kicked in the early stages. They have half a mile to race. They went to half in 47-3 and three as they make their way to the far turn. Edgar Zayas and Merritt continue to show them the way. They lead by two over Rogel in second. It's a rail spot for Conquest Warrior who just ran into third. Tap it three times is struggling to keep up. Then back to Nomos and still last is Secret Lover. They're trying to keep Conquest Warrior from working into the clear, but they failed at that attempt as he's loose now, trying to go get Merritt at the five sixteenths. It's Merritt through three quarters and one twelve and one. He has the lead. Conquest Warrior with no excuse from there, and the two favorites hook up a quarter of a mile from home. Merritt working harder to hold the lead, and Conquest Warrior is already past him. Back to third, that's Nomos together with Ragel. There's an eighth of a mile to go. Conquest Warrior is kick clear with authority. Conquest Warrior under Jockey Jose Ortiz will win, and win impressively on his road to the Florida Derby. Here's Conquest Warrior geared down and three and a half in front. Merritt will cling to the place. Ragella's is third. Nomos is fourth in 150 and two. Unofficially
1: 6-1-5-2 one, one, in the seventh race at Gulfstream Park. Heavily favored Conquest Warrior. Gets his second straight win. Draws off impressively going a mile and an eighth. I don't know what he beat today. Whatever he beat, he beat fairly handily. Don't know if this is a, a horse that's a real contender for the Florida Derby. But he did what he was supposed to do today today. And uh, it sounds like that is where he is headed next. At the end of this month, just four weeks from tomorrow, Florida Derby Day is Saturday, March 30th. We'll get you those prices in just a little bit. Speaking of prices, we've got you prices uh, for the sixth race at Aqueduct. And in the sixth race at Aqueduct, the winner was number six, Rungus. Four-year-old Dark Bear Brown gelding by Liam's Map out of the Discreet Catmare Sweet and Discreet. Owned by Flying Peace Stable Trained by Bruce Levine. Ruben Silvera was aboard. Rungus paid 1920, 50 and 330. Second three, McAllen, 310, 220. Third five, systemic change, two eighty to show. And fourth was the 1A Beyond Best, the Exacta 1550, the Tri 2337, dollar superfecta, $163 even. Over at Fairgrounds, they're about a minute away from post time for the sixth race, 66 degrees, scattered thunderstorms all afternoon uh, at Fairgrounds. The main track is sloppy, and they are off the turf today. Yes, there are tracks that actually run when it's raining and the track is off. Sloppy and off the turf today at Fairgrounds. Going to rain all day tomorrow at Aqueduct. They're running there. Going to rain tonight and all day tomorrow at Santa Anita. And they went screaming into the hills. And there will be no racing at Santa Anita. They will. They have postponed their huge Santa Anita handicap card from tomorrow to Sunday. We will see how that works out for them out there. They handled twenty million dollars. On Big Cap Day last year at Santa Anita, running it on a Saturday, the same Saturday as the Fountain of Youth card, same as was supposed to be this year. Uh, they have opted to uh, go with better weather on Sunday. We will see how it works out for them. My guess is it will work out poorly. Every decision they make turns out bad. It's got to work out poorly. But we'll see. It's still a good card on Sunday. And, in fact, Bob Nastanovich and I are going to talk about all four of the graded stakes that are on the big cap card as part of our Am Wager Weekend Stakes preview, which comes up at 6 p.m. Eastern this evening. Back to the matters at hand, though. This sixth race at the fairgrounds, five and a half furlongs on the sloppy main track. $25,000, the claiming tag. These are four-year-olds and up uh, that are non-winners of four races lifetime or non-winners of two races since September 1st of last year scratch number three india inc field of eight going to post favorite right now is number one verb verb for chris hartman and mitchell merle verb uh, comes off a second place finish against similar competition last time out on a track that was labeled fast has run twice on off race tracks thus far in his career and he hit the board in both of those races but uh, this track is as off as it gets uh, it's continuing to rain uh, it is misting rain so it's just bothersome there is standing water on the track uh, yet they move forward at fairgrounds just as they do at most tracks around the country that are not named Santa Anita okay last few runners are going in number five silver wings with Jose Guerrero aboard Goes into post four, although he is program number five. And we are waiting on the nine birdies galaxy with Ben Curtis. And we'll hand it off to John Dooley. Rainy day in Nola. Sloppy track. All in line.
5: Straightening out. Midnight fire. given a 27 to 1 chance. Verb 9 to 5 favorite. Ready. They're off and sprinting. Dreamer's disease. Blasting out of there for C.J. McMahon. In between horses, Midnight Fire, right there is Premium on the Speed, Verb in the blue cap. Ben Curtis and the 12-time winner, Birdies Galaxy on the far outside, Silver Wings, Prado's Priority, and Herd Immunity is dropped back to last past the half mile. They enter the far turn, and it's Midnight Fire who's taken the lead here for Edgar in front of Dreamer's Disease, who's running second in premium and third. It's Midnight Fire who's widened to a three-length advantage. Birdies Galaxy running wide. Then toward the inside is Verb, Silver Wings Between Horses, Prado's Priority, and uh, finally, as they turn for home, Herd Immunity. It's Midnight Fire, first to face the Friday Faithful. Midnight Fire carries a four-length lead down toward the last. On the outside is Birdie's Galaxy coming with a charge. Then toward the inside is Herd Immunity who's rallying. Under pressure is Dreamer's disease. They come past the 16th. Midnight Fire toward the inside. Herd Immunity for Corey Lannery. Herd Immunity closing on the line. Midnight Fire, Herd Immunity. And the final strides to get in, beat Midnight Fire. Run on the money. Silver Wings finish third.
1: Unofficially seven four five nine in the sixth race at Fairgrounds. Rail skimming run from Herd Immunity under Corey Lannery to get up and get the win in race number six. A final price on Herd Immunity was 9-1. to one. We'll get you those prices in just a little bit. Speaking of prices, we owe you prices from the seventh race over at Gulfstream Park. And over at Gulfstream Park, uh, the winner was the big favorite. And that was number six, Conquest Warrior, he is a three-year-old bay colt by City of Light out of the Pulpit mare Tea Time, owned by Cortland Farms, trained by Shug McGary. Jose Ortiz, the winning rider, Conquest Warrior, three twenty, two twenty, and two ten. Second, one merit, three dollars, two ten. Third, five Ragel, three dollars. Fourth, number two Nomos, the exacta three eighty, the tri six ninety dollar super thirty five dollars, and sixty cents. Over at Oaklawn Park. They're about two minutes away from post time. 58 degrees in Hot Springs, Arkansas. Mostly sunny skies and the track is fast for race number six. Six furlongs the distance. $10,000 the claiming tag. These are four-year-olds and up. Non-winners of three races lifetime or non-winners of a race in 2023. Interesting. Uh, Scratch number 1A, part of the entry, Black Storm. Also scratch number 9, Red and Wild. Still got a big field of 10 going to post in this race. Two of them getting the bulk of the action right now. Number two, Happy Mac. And number four, Must Be Love. Happy Mac uh, simply put, uh, well, this one's a tough one to figure, has been running up in Canada, mostly at Woodbine, but last start was actually at Fort Erie on dirt and uh, against unconditioned allowance foes. In fact, all of the races basically that Happy Mac has been running in In Canada have been against foes that are better than what he is going to see today. He has run at Oaklawn several times in his career, seven career starts uh, in Hot Springs, Arkansas, with two wins and a second-place finish to his credit. And uh, fans seem to think that the move back to uh, the friendly skies, if you will, of Oaklawn Park and maybe getting back to uh, a better class level will give him a big chance to win. That being said, number four must be love. Uh, is another one who is in, figures in this spot. Most of his races recently have been against better competition, but he did run at this condition $10,000 level at Oaklawn a month ago and disappointed as the 9-5 to five favorite. He's a horse that really wants to have the lead. He doesn't absolutely have to have the lead to win, but he's very rarely going to—if if he's not on the lead or basically pressing the pace— Uh, You're in trouble with must-be-love because more often than not, he is moving backwards, not forwards, from the top of the stretch to the line. So you're hoping, if you bet must-be-love, that jockey Christian Torres is able to get him out in front of this field and uh, glancing real quickly at the others in this field. It doesn't, on paper, look like there's anyone any faster early on than must-be-love. So with a clean break... Uh, he may be able to get out in front of this field and be very very tough and as I say that uh, he is taking a lot of late action he has drifted down to eight to five right now on the board he is the actual favorite um, while they are kind of circling the wagons here at Oaklawn, as we opened the show we heard the stretch run of the 1987 edition of the Fountain of youth Ross Morton former announcer at both Gulfstream park and Finger Lakes was on the call in 1987 and bet twice getting the job done that day for Craig Perrett and Jimmy Kroll. Bet twice, of course, uh, would go on later in his career and win both the Preakness and the Belmont after, I believe, running second to Ali Sheba in that year's Kentucky Derby. There have been some really, really good horses over the years that have won the Fountain of Youth and uh, just way, way too many to name. And uh, this year's Fountain of Youth, which is the highlight of the Saturday card this week at Gulfstream Park. Uh, race 14, I think, in a 14 race card. And uh, in my mind, the strongest field of three-year-olds that we have seen thus far in 2024. The field we saw two weeks ago in the Risen Star at Fairgrounds was very, very good. And to date, I thought that one was the best field. Now you get the Fountain of Youth. And the Fountain of Youth, to me, looks like the strongest field. You've got a couple of graded stakes winners in Dornock and locked in the race. You've got some really, really good up-and-comers in there as well. Should be a fun Fountain of Youth tomorrow. And, of course, Bob Nastanovich and I are going to cover it as part of our Amwager weekend stakes preview coming up uh, in about an hour and a half. First things first, lots more live racing on Betting with Bobby. They are loading quickly for this sixth race at Oaklawn Park. Last couple moving into the outer stalls. Here's the great blazing road with Manny Escavel aboard going in. Just waiting on square deal with jockey Luis Quinones. Here's Matt Dinnerman. And uh, we
6: Happy Mac from the inside. Broke swiftly today and is up on the pace at once. Sent along, shown some rain to get up there with the lead. And Happy Mac's in charge in the early part. Must be Love moving up to apply the heat on the throat latch of Happy Mac. And these two square off down the backside. Square deal running in third with Roman Giant. Awesome family inside of that pair. Another length and a half to Easy Big Boy. A similar margin to the gray blazing road along with Mystery Ban. Morning Snow is second to last. And Boldish has no early paces left. Last as they charge around the fourth turn, Happy Mac goes off as the 3-2 to two favorite, clears off with three furlongs to go, opens up a length and a tail, must-be-loving chase mode now, second set along long after that leader as they round the fourth turn. A gap of two to square deal is pumped upon. Roman Giant under heavy pressure. Mystery Man's getting to the outside for the final stretch run but needs to get going as they swing off the corner. Happy Mac switches leads under a confident ride here by Ramsey Zimmerman. Now the reins get shaken at him. He's on top. Up by two and second must be loves not going to get him outside square deal's running well at fifteen to one Roman Giant battling two for that minor award but Happy Mac is clear and Happy Mac wins it convincingly Roman Giant was second boldish from out of the clouds got third just got up
1: over Square Deal looked like two eight one eleven in the sixth race at Oakland Happy Mac getting the job done as the three to two favorite. In race number six, 110 and four, the time for six furlongs. All right, we're gonna take a break. When we come back, owe you prices at both Fairgrounds and Oaklawn. We've got more live racing coming up at both uh, Aqueduct uh, and Gulfstream Park. This is Betting with Bobby on HRRN.
7: We have the world at our fingertips, inspiration in our touch, and power in our hands. Our hands, gentle enough to hold the next generation yet strong enough to build movements that can change the world. Our hands can build relationships, frame ideas, and empower communities. We have the ability to share and imagine, create, and comfort, love, and heal the world around us. And it doesn't stop there. Right here, in our hands, we have the power to save a life, If you see a teen or adult suddenly collapse, call 911 and push hard and fast in the center of the chest. The power is in your hands. Anthem Foundation is the proud national supporter of the American Heart Association's hands-only CPR campaign.
2: Remember the last time your family visited the forest? It's a place of wonder and imagination. For the whole family, where stories come to life, and it's closer than you think. Ready to plan your next visit? Make the forest part of your story today at a local park near you, or find one at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.
0: Veterans. The U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs has resources and support services to help if you're having difficulty paying or remaining current on your rent. VA and its partners can help you avoid homelessness and pay for utilities and other housing-related expenses. Don't face a housing crisis alone. Choose VA for the housing benefits you've earned. To learn more, visit va.gov homeless. That's va.gov homeless.
1: This is Bobby Newman. Live racing, great info, and lots of fun is what you'll get every Thursday on the First Bet Racing Show. Bob Nastanovich and I bring you the live action from the biggest tracks around North America, speak with some of the major players in the game, and discuss racing's biggest topics. It's the First Bet Racing Show every Thursday afternoon from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern, Listen live each week on Sirius 162, XM207, online channel 999, or streaming live at horseracingradio.net.
0: You're listening to Betting with Bobby on the Horse Racing Radio Network. Around the far turn, dearest on the inside... Our girl's a charmer between Catherine Sophia to the outside and Lewis Bay four wide. Three quarters in one, eleven and four. They're into the stretch. Catherine Sophia runs for the lead on the outside and takes off. Catherine Sophia is pouring it on now. She has opened up suddenly to a five-link lead over Dearest and Lewis Bay. Oh, this is one fantastic filly. Catherine Sophia wins the Davona Dale by about seven lengths in the end over Lewis Bay, dearest. And then came our girls,
1: a charmer. That was Larry Colmas on the call back in 2016. The Davona Dale at Gulfstream Park won by Catherine Sophia. This year's Davona Dale, part of a mega stakes card tomorrow out at Gulfstream Park. Welcome back to Betting with Bobby here on HRRN. I'm Bobby Newman here with you every Friday afternoon, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern time, bringing you live action from around the country. No, we owe you some prices from both Fairgrounds and Oaklawn. We'll get to those in a few minutes, but we need to get out to Aqueduct because they're getting close to the gate for race number seven. Seven furlongs the distance here on the fast main track. Four-year-olds and up in for a $40,000 claiming tag. Scratch the plane, one part of an entry. Gentleman Joe, he was the preferred half of the entry. Also scratch number eight, Joking Way. Field of seven. Now, I'm sorry, also scratch number two, Just Call Ray. So we have a field of six now. Nine were entered, only six will run. And the action is coming in on number five, Life Changer, for Mertkin Kantermachi and Kendrick Carmouche. Seven to two on the morning line, but with all the scratches, bet down to six to five right now. It makes sense. Life Changer ran at the $50,000 level last month, just two weeks ago, uh, at Aqueduct, and ran third, but only beaten a length. So theoretically, a step down from 50 to 40 today. I don't really think there is a gigantic difference when it comes to 40 and $50,000 claiming runners in New York. Obviously, there's a difference as far as how much you're going to get or how much you're going to have to pay if you uh, want to claim or get claimed. Out of the race, but as far as the class level, I I think it's basically a wash when it comes to 40s and 50s in New York. But life changer coming off that good third place finish last time out. And uh, speed figure wise, a repeat of his last race would easily make him the one to beat most of the races he's been running Uh, over the last year or so, make him the one to beat in this spot. Not a cinch, but he certainly looks tough, and he's getting bet even more now. He is 4-5 to as he loads into the starting gate. Just a few left to load in outside of him. Gemography, Ruben Silvera in the black and red colors, and Lafitte's fleet with Dylan Davis aboard will complete the line. Here's Chris Griffin with race 7 at Aqueduct.
3: Beach Walker to the outside. And in. All set. And they're off. Gemography breaks with early speed, and at the rail, there's Sagamore Mischief to join this early leader. Moving right towards the outside, Life Changers just off of them in third. With that, Rivalist Thundurian is in the fourth spot. The two at the back, that's Beach Walker with the trailer Lafitte's Fleet. Pace Duel on the front end now as Sagamore Mischief moves right back to the inside of Gemography, and these two are well clear. They're now four or five lengths clear from Life Changer. The four to five favorite is well settled in third, 23.41. Moderate fractions, but it is a Pace Duel up top. Thundurian moves to the inside of the favorite. They're still third and fourth. Beach Walker out wider in the red cap. The trailer continues to be Lafitte's fleet. Gemography is now back in front by a neck. Sagamore Mischief is back to second. Here comes the run from Thundurian and right there towards the outside. Life Changer's on that move as well. And Life Changer starts to make up some big ground after the leaders. Just behind that, Beach Walker is ranging up too. Lafitte's Fleet. Still the trailer, 46-4. and four. For the half-mile time, Gemography continues to try to put away Sagamore Mischief. They haven't caught the top two yet. It's Gemography who's ahead in front. Sagamore Mischief... Here comes Beach Walker motoring down the center of the racetrack, and Beach Walker is catching him quickly. It's now Beach Walker and Isaac Castillo. They have thrust to the lead. Gemography is back to second. Late run here, Thundurian, to the inside of Life Changer. But Beach Walker at 8-1 to one is two lengths clear. Beach Walker from off the pace gets the score. It's Beach Walker who wins it tight there for second. That was a late push there from Life Changer in a photo with Gemography. in woman at 24 and 3.
1: Look like unofficially 1A, 5, 6, and 4. The top four finishers in the seventh race at Aqueduct. Number 1A Beachwalker. Isaac Castillo aboard for trainer David Jacobson. Rolling home down the outside to win going away. Uh, at a nice price was part of an entry that was two to one on the morning line. The other half of the entry scratches and fans get off of Beach Walker and uh, he comes strolling home at a nice price eight to one. Folks, did you know Verizon is now offering customers a free iPhone 13 or up to $800 to put towards a new 5G phone? This offer is available for all customers both new and current with select trade-in and select 5G unlimited plans. Verizon's best 5G unlimited plans offer up to $90 per month of value, the most included value in the industry, and include incredible savings in the most popular entertainment like Disney+, Hulu, ESPN+, Apple Music, and more. So, turning your old 4G device, walk away with a brand new 5G device at your local Verizon store today. Okay, still unofficial over at Aqueduct 1A56 and 4. Beachwalker heading back toward the winner's circle. We'll get you those prices in just a little bit. Meanwhile, over at Gulfstream Park, they are uh, allegedly approaching the starting gate for race number eight. This race, five furlongs on the firm turf course. It's an allowance-optional claiming event for four-year-olds and up, non-winners of two other than, or... In for a claiming tag of $62,500. Scratch number 13, the also eligible Bring the Band Home. Full field of 12 going to post. And an intriguing field right here. You've got some horses that with proven stakes experience on the turf, such as the favorite number seven, Caratari, who's 2-1 to right now on the board for Brian Lynch and Jose Ortiz. Not only does Caratari have stakes experience, he is a stake winner and is favored a lot against tougher competition over the last few years on the turf. He has uh, really Billy, really been very, very good sprinting on the turf in his career. Overall, he's been first or second 17 of 32 starts on the turf in his career and 7 of 10 first or second on the turf at Gulfstream Park. Uh, he's coming out of the Gulfstream turf sprint last time out where he was actually the 3-2 to two favorite. And uh, ran fourth after being wide most of the way, beaten just two and a half lengths. Um, Meanwhile, there's another intriguing runner in this field, number six, Prevalence. Way back when, I think people thought Prevalence was a Kentucky Derby type of a horse. Uh, He was a horse that, uh, you know, really made a splash in his career debut at or rather in his maiden win at Gulfstream Park, beating a good field very, very impressively. And he's been running against high level competition most of his career. uh, And he's actually a graded stake winner in his career. He won the Commonwealth, a grade three event uh, at Keeneland back in the spring of 2022. But he's uh, obviously had his issues physically as uh, he still got races from 2022 uh, in his past performances. He's coming off a very poor effort on the synthetic track at Gulfstream last time out. Uh, interesting spot, putting him on the turf. He ran once on the turf in his career, albeit against up to the mark, and he was terrible that day. And then he ran on a synthetic track last time out, and he was worse than terrible then. Um his dirt efforts seem good, but obviously it, one of two things. Either Brendan Walsh and the team uh, thinks that this horse uh, has some turf ability and they're just going to find it out, or they're just searching for answers. They're not happy with the way things have been going overall, so why not try them on the turf and find out for good whether or not this is a, a spot for them going down the line or you know, th- if it doesn't work out, they could just never run on the turf again Uh, and get back to the uh, traditional main tracks around the country another one that's getting some play in here is number four high limit room for bobby debona and irad ortiz Uh, he's coming uh, off uh, a similar synthetic track race last time out both he and prevalence were in the same race and they were very close in the bet in the wagering. It was a race that was supposed to be run on turf, was moved over to the synthetic track. High limit room ran OK. Prevalence was awful. Um, high li- limit room, though, different than prevalence in the fact that he's run a whole lot of races on the turf in his career. And he's run very, very well. In fact, he's been in the money 13 of 16 career tries on the turf and uh, does very, very well at these sprint distances so it's uh it's a tough handicapping puzzle here this eighth race at Gulfstream Park as they uh continue to meander toward the starting gate we can tell you over at Fairgrounds they're about seven minutes away from post time for their seventh race Oaklawn Park they're about 14 minutes away from post for race seven there so a little bit of a spread as uh they take a few minutes and delay a bit here at Gulfstream Park nothing out of the ordinary there but the horses finally have started making their way from the dirt across the synthetic track and to the turf course where they will get to the starting point for this five furlong turf affair race number eight on the card. All right. They are making their way over there. While they're doing that, let's get you paid over at fairgrounds. And at fairgrounds, uh, results of the sixth race on the card, the winner summer number seven, Herd Immunity six-year-old chestnut gelding by union rags out of the bamboo moon mare enhanced owned by Nicole bigby hauser and trained by eric heitzman cory lannery the winning rider herd immunity twenty dollars sixty cents eight twenty five forty second four midnight fire sixteen dollars Third was number five silver wings five dollars to show fourth number nine birdies galaxy the exact 190 dollars ten cents the try five twenty three ten super five thousand eight hundred ninety six dollars and sixty cents back over to Gulfstream Park we go and they have uh started the loading process for this eighth race on the card favoritism continues to be with number seven Karatari, who let's face it has been facing much better competition than this sprinting on the turf most of his career uh dropping into what should be a friendlier spot for him He's a horse who's won a whole lot of races, and even when he doesn't win, he's usually in or around the money. He is moving in. Uh, Love the fact that number five, Vacation Dance, uh, is wearing uh, red, blue, and white colors. They look exactly like the colors uh, that Alan Paulson used to use, but this is America's pastime stables. Virtually the exact same silks that Alan Paulson uh, used uh, throughout the 80s and 90s. Uh, when he was with us, and obviously heavy and heavily involved in the game,
4: here's race eight at Gulfstream, and they're off. Good start in the middle for Karatari, who heads off for the early lead. Mamba on three is going to run with him. When I get to heaven comes away in the top flight. He's at the rail. High limit room is between horses, and then the white blinkers is XY Speed. Back behind the Speed is Them, Getting started on the far outside is City Mischief. Two more to Omaha City. Then comes Judge Davis and Prevalence, and Vacation Dance is last. To the far turn they go. It's Keratari doing battle with Mamba on three. Mamba on three has the lead. Karatari is second. Three wide. XY Speed now third. Four wide. And that's right. Back behind the speed. High limit room. Then Axthelm. And when I get to heaven, trying to wind it up from the back is Omaha City. They straighten for the drive. Inside. Mamba on three still has the lead. XY Speed takes his shot on the outside second. Widest of all, Axthelm closing good ground late. Axthelm rolling down the center. Here he comes. Axthelm front and center. Center, and he's up to win it. Second is Mamba on three. Third is XY Speed in the eighth at Gulfstream. They covered five eighths on turf and fifty-four and three. Unofficially, one three nine in the
1: eighth race at Gulfstream Park. Axtelm gets the job done. You heard it there. Pretty quick time of fifty-four and change uh, for that final time of Axthelm coming from way off the pace uh, to get up and get the win. And uh, looked really good in doing it. Axthelm uh, had been a while since he had seen the winner's circle. In fact, his last time seeing the winner's circle was sprinting on the turf at Gulfstream last year in March. Against uh, optional A-other-than level competition. So uh, he obviously did very, very well. And uh, was ready to roll today. And gets the job done in race 8 at Gulfstream. We'll get you those prices in just a little bit. Speaking of prices, we owe you prices over at Oaklawn Park. And Oaklawn Park's sixth race uh, was won impressively by the favorite, number two, Happy Mac, a six-year-old Bay Gelding by Run Happy out of the Is It True Mare True Kiss, owned by Bruno Schickadance, trained by Norm McKnight, Ramsey Zimmerman, the winning rider on Happy Mac, who paid $5, dollars 3 40 and $3. Second eight, Roman Giant, 520, 360 third one boldish 740 to show fourth number 11 square deal the exact at 1190 the try 4790 super 554 dollars and 20 cents over to Oaklawn park we go they are about nine minutes away from the seventh race so we've got a little bit of time there and actually while they while we have time Let's get some prices in from the other racetracks, starting with Aqueduct, where the seventh race went to number 1A, Beachwalker, a seven-year-old Dark Bear Brown gelding by Street Sense out of the Lemon Drop mare, Kiowa Cat, owned and trained by David Jacobson, Isaac Castillo, the winning rider on Beachwalker, who paid $18, $560, and $320. Second was number 5, Life Changer, $260, $210. Third, 6, Gemography, $270 to show. Fourth was number 4, Thundarian. The Exacta paid $22.40, the Trifecta $32.87, the Dollar Superfecta $290.50. Over at Gulfstream Park, do we have the prices yet? We're getting the prices in uh, for their race. In fact, uh, do we have the prices in for Gulfstream? No, not quite yet. Obviously, they just ran. Okay. Um, we will get those prices to you shortly. Uh, we've got a little bit of time before this next race at Oaklawn Park. Probably should mention the fact that when we came out of the break, we heard the stretch run of the 2016 edition of the Devona Dale, which was won by Catherine Sophia. Davona Dale is a race for three-year-old fillies. It's a points qualifier on the road to the Kentucky Oaks. We've seen some pretty nice fillies win the race over the years. It's a race that began in the late 80s at Gulfstream Park, and you've seen some some good fillies like Three Ring and Cash r- Run win the race, wait a while, uh, turned out to be a really, really nice filly, I believe, uh, for Todd Pletcher. She got the job done that year. And uh, last couple of years, Kathleen O, who was a very, very good filly, and Dorth Vader, who was a, a, a bit of a price for trainer Bo Yates and jockey Miguel Vasquez. Catherine Sophia won the race back in 2016. Uh, that was one of four stakes that she won in her career, the biggest one of which was the Kentucky Oaks just a few months later uh, in 2016. Overall, Catherine Sompia, Maryland bred, who was very, very fast, won six of nine starts, and she was third in the other three starts, made over $1.2 million uh, in her career. And uh, the Devona Dale this year, part of an eight-race extravaganza uh, tomorrow out at, Gulfstream Park and uh there are so many graded stakes this weekend that we don't have time for them all tonight on the Amwager weekend stakes preview so we actually had we, we picked the what we thought were the six best of the eight graded stakes at Gulfstream that we're going to talk about tonight and the Devona Dale is certainly one of them and it's uh it's a fun race this year and I don't know if we have a superstar in the making but we have uh uh, some Phillies in the race that are undefeated and going to square off and take a whole lot of money at the windows, including just FYI, who, of course, uh, was last year's Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies champ and uh, undefeated as uh, she makes her three-year-old debut, her first start of 2024. Uh, now the results at Gulfstream Park have gone official meanwhile they're going in the gate for the seventh race at fairgrounds this race off the turf at a mile and a 16th uh the only ones left running in the racer numbers two four seven eight nine ten and eleven i figure it's easy to say that than go through everyone who's scratched but an off the turf race mile and a 16th on a very sloppy racetrack over at fairgrounds we're waiting on number 11 sagittarius main track only who draws in this afternoon uh, he will complete the line with Jareth Loveberry aboard. Here's John Dooley on the call. Blinkers off today.
5: Sagittarius on a sloppy track. They're in the game. And they're off. Special dispatch broke sharp toward the inside. Monolith along with Celestial Joy. Here come bids by Rockstar Red and the Black Silks and Sagittarius is three to four wide as they splash into the first turn. And coming away in front is the first time starter. Big to do. Went to the top. It's big to do for Florent Giroux at the six and a half. Leads here. Rockstar Red by a length and a half. Two lengths away to Sagittarius who's running in third position as they go to the back. Then toward the inside is Special Dispatch who's running in fourth for the run to the half mile pole. It's a break of four more to Monolith. Celestial Joy pulled wide and Fear of Union Trails. The major. The opening quarter in 24.07 seconds. Big to do. Leads on debut. It's big to do by two. Rockstar Red continues to chase the pace toward the inside of Special Dispatch. And Sagittarius is running in fourth. Fear of Union up a couple of places. The trailers are monolith and wide. Celestial Joy. It's still big to do to track down half mile in forty-eight point twelve seconds. Big to do with three furlongs to go. Big to do leads by two and a half two. Rockstar Red with for the inside. Special dispatch. Who continues to gain ground, Sagittarius has raced wide. Fear of Union, Celestial Joy, a monolith between horses. Big to do spins them in from Special Dispatch, who looms up three quarters. In a 1 13.70 seconds, it's big to do. Big to do, Brian Hernandez, Jr., and Special Dispatch. Shifting off that line, big to do with Laurent Giroux. Big to do, finding Special Dispatch, gamely. Big to do. Special dispatch will fall two, three lengths short. The big to do who takes them all the way from special dispatch. Fear of Union third. Sagittarius finished fourth in an even effort.
1: 7, 9, 8, 11, the top four finishers in the off the turf seventh race over at Fairgrounds. First time starter, big to do for Brad Cox and jockey Florent Giroux, ready to go uh, despite the off the turf status today of race seven. Gets the job done as the slight favorite at odds of two to one. We'll get you those prices in just a little bit. Over to Oaklawn Park we go, and they're about three minutes away from post time for race seven. On the card, mile and a sixteenth the distance here. $12,500, the claiming tag, three-year-olds and up that are non-winners of two races, lifetime scratch numbers 4 and 13. Still a large field of 11 going to post in this race. And number one, Humor Me Now is your favorite at this point for the team of Chris Hartman and Rafael Bejarano. Humor Me Now ran at this exact same level and distance at Oaklawn just over a month ago. Was bet down to five to two was the favorite in the race and ran third a non-menacing third after really not seeming like he was very happy out there he caught a muddy track that day and the comment line is not something you usually see has the word unruly in it so which means that either in the gate or before the gate he was a mess and uh he didn't break very well from the inside gate uh after causing a fit apparently at the starting gate and uh, really just had way too much work to do. He didn't make up a whole lot of lengths in the race, but he passed about six or seven other runners in the race. And maybe, uh, you know, maybe it was the muddy track that did him in. Who knows? But whatever it was, uh, he, was uh, he was a disaster at the starting gate last time out. And if you're going to bet him at six to five today, you're, uh, you know, taking the big leap of faith that he is going to behave himself more today than he did last time out. Uh, meanwhile, speed figure wise, his good races certainly make him one of the ones to beat in this spot. I don't know if they warrant him being six to five. It kind of looks like they don't. And he's, he's one of these horses who should be five to two, I would say five to two would be it, which is what his morning line is. I think that's a fair price on humor me now, six to five. It, it's almost as if everyone saw the same thing and just as assu- are assuming that whatever transgressions he had at the starting gate last time out are a one and on, you know a, a one-time only thing and he's going to behave himself and be no problem from the inside gate today and listen if you could guarantee me that i still don't want six or seven to five which is what he is right now but he obviously is one of the ones who has a chance the second choice in the wagering is number nine. Life on the Nile. This horse was 15 to 1 on the morning line and is bet down to 4 to 1 right now. And I don't know why. I can tell you this he used to run races back last year, especially at Monmouth, that speed figure wise would beat this field. Um, his last three races. All at Oaklawn Park. One on a fast track, one on a muddy track, one on a wet fast track. Um, I wouldn't bet your money on him. And uh, he's ridden by a guy in uh, Joseph Bielmar, who is a seven-pound bug and is winning about ten percent of the time this year at Oaklawn Park. But uh, goes for trainer Dan Ward, longtime assistant for trainer Jerry Hollendorfer. Um, I don't know. Seem there's a there's a lot of yeah buts in this race. Yeah, this is okay. This horse is okay, but except for this, there, there, none of them look like they're in a perfect situation. And um, you know what? That's fine because uh, you can. You might have a strong opinion in this race, and if you don't like, if the strong opinion's not on number one, humor me now, and you're right, you're going to get paid very, very well. Or it can be the opposite. You can have no strong opinion in this race and realize that. Even if I want to bet Oaklawn, they're going to have another race 30 minutes from now. And I can wait till then, which is exactly what I'm going to do. But they're going to the gate for race seven at Oaklawn Park. Three to two. Favoritism remains with number one, Humor Me Now. Second choice remains number nine, Life on the Nile. The third choice is number eight, Boogie Bodie for Alan Shorter and Martin Schwan. Boogie Bodie has been running at the. Condition sixteen and twenty thousand dollar levels, the last three starts, and not running poorly. So, people thinking maybe going down to condition twelve five today will do the trick. Although, Boogie Bodie before those races against better was running against twelve five claimers at Horseshoe Indianapolis and not winning in those races. Like I said, there's there's a lot of yeah butts in this race. There's nobody who looks absolutely like they're like. You, with confidence, can say, this horse will 100% fire his big shot today. And that's why it's wide open. All right, last few runners are going in. Waiting on number 11, Traffic Boss, with Luis Quinones aboard. One from the outside. He faces up to the gate, pauses just a little bit before going in. Ramon Vasquez aboard number 12, Unstable Prince. Bill Martin trains this Kentucky bred, and they're all in the gate. To start
6: the late pick four, they're off. And going to the front, Life on the Niles got early lick. Absolute Courage close, and work order quicker than those two is in control. Early, Absolute Courage takes a hold of the bit, takes second. Life on the Nile, three deep. Those three stretched across the track now as they go into the turn, with Boogie Bodie setting up shop right behind that leading trio. Two off the pace and a good spot down on the fence. Another two back to hard to come by, racing alongside of traffic bus. Cotra Bandista in the white jacket, third last with Humor Me Now, a little bit keen on a hold, and unstable print is third last. He's running eight lengths clear of a pair. that are well behind Assumption. Star Nation. Those two very far out of it down the backstretch. Over 20 lengths behind. So they head down the backstretch run. Life on the Nile and Joe Belmer in front. Absolute courage and Keith Aspison from the inside pressing a half length back. A gap of two to work order. Settles off the speed with a half mile to go running in the third position. Next is Boogie Bodie, Still racing alone. Hard to come by. Stays on the inside. Traffic boss. Unstable. Prince are next. Humor Me Now begins a rally. On the outside, is kept out of harm's way, running about seven behind, attempting to pass horses now. Contrabandista shaken up third last, then Stardation and Assumption. Both runners never picked up their feet. Coming to the quarter pole. Life on the Nile is shrugged off. Absolute Courage, who calls it a day. Work order takes the second position and third. Boogie Bodie riding the rail off the turn. Humor Me Now is on the extreme outside, still has to get going as they come down the lane. Boogie Bodie and Mark. Martin Schwann putting up a nice rally now, and they pass a weakening Life on the Nile, who's leg-weary. Humor me now badly with Unstable Prince and Contrabandista, but Boogie Bodie has got it, and Boogie Bodie has won it. Boogie Bodie by about three. Good battle for second. Life on the Nile held off Unstable Prince. Contrabandista was fourth across the line.
1: Unofficially 8 9 12, 6 in the seventh race at Oaklawn Park. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll head out to Aqueduct for race eight, betting with Bobby on HRRN.
8: All over America, people are taking the national radon test. Have you? Excuse me, have you heard of radon? Is that a gas? Is it something that comes up out the ground or something?
7: It's like poison gas. Something dangerous that you're supposed to check on to make sure it's not in your home.
8: Now it's your turn. Answer true or false. Radon is a radioactive gas. True, radon is a radioactive gas. True or false, the Office of the Surgeon General recommends that all homes be tested for radon. True, your home should be tested. I didn't know that, no. True or false, radon is the second leading cause of lung cancer. True.
2: True, I didn't know that.
8: Radon is the second leading cause of lung cancer. Answer true or false, homes with radon problems can be fixed. True. Homes with radon problems can be fixed.
2: So what do you do about it? I'm gonna dial the number and call 1-800-SOS-RADON. If
6: I don't
8: take care of it, nobody else will. Keep your family safe from radon. Call now.
2: 1-800-SOS-RADON.
8: The possibility of lung cancer can be pretty scary, especially if you're one of approximately eight million current or former smokers at high risk. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know that now there's a breakthrough low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early, and it only takes 60 seconds. You stop smoking, now start screening. For an easy quiz to see if you're eligible, visit SaveByThescan.org. It could save your life. SaveByThescan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. Okay, kids, dad's going to teach you how to dance. First, spread your feet apart. Then, uh, pump your knee, nod your head, uh, shake your hips, uh, and bite your lip ever so slightly. Now, with one hand in the air, point at people with the other hand. I call that the rock star.
0: Dance like a dad. It's a great way to make a moment with your kids. Now, make a face like it just smells something bad. Visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council.
6: Hi, this is Kurt Becker. Join me each week on the Equine Forum as I take you on a stroll through racing history presented by Keeneland. This week, I look back at the racing career of Desert Wine. Listen live on the Equine Forum every Saturday morning on Sirius 162 or XM 207 or visit our website at horseracingradio.net to access the archives and enjoy past editions. It's a stroll through racing history with me, Kurt Becker, presented by Keeneland, only here on HRRN.
0: You're listening to Betting with Bobby on the Horse Racing Radio Network.
1: Here comes Lord at War to hit the front at the quarterfold. His stablemate, Greenton's coming after him. At the rail, Eamon is dropping back. Hail Bowl King is fourth.
0: Gate Dancer still has nine lengths to make up. They are coming for home. Bill Shoemaker looking for his 11th win in the big cap. It's Lord at War in full stride. Greenton chasing. Gate Dancer,
1: And he's got the record for most wins by a jockey in the Santa Anita Handicap, Willie Shoemaker, or Bill Shoemaker, if you will. 11 wins in total, and the final one came in 1985 aboard the Charlie Whittingham trainee Lord at War. I think Charlie would go on to win the race three more times in his training career. And, of course, the Santa Anita Handicap is now the Sunday feature out at Santa Anita Park. Welcome back. To betting with bobby here on hrrn i'm bobby newman here with you every friday afternoon 4 to 6 p.m eastern time bringing you live action from around the country i know we owe you prices at gulfstream fairgrounds in oakland and we will get those in a few minutes but we need to get out to aqueduct first as they are getting close to post time for the eighth race on the card And the eighth race at Aqueduct is the final race of the afternoon. Mile and an eighth the distance on the fast main track. An allowance optional claiming event for four-year-olds and up. Non-winners of two other than or in for a claiming tag of $62,500. Field of eight going to post here. Even money on number one leading contender for Chad Brown and Manny Franco. Leading contender ran against the same level of competition at Aqueduct, going a mile and three-sixteenths last time out, and he failed as the one-to-five favorite in the race. Stalked the pace, put his head in front at the top of the stretch, and uh, got outrun down the lane by Goldskate, who won by some two-and-a-half lengths. Leading contender, all he could do to hold second over koocher who's in against him once again today, they were only separated by a half a length. Now, that race was on a muddy track. Today's race is on a fast track. Speed figure-wise, leading contender has run better on fast tracks than he did in the mud last time out. Um, I can tell you this, it's a lot better price today on leading contender, even money, than what you had to take last time at odds of one to five. The second choice in the wagering is number two, No Burn. Uh, He's coming off a sloppy track effort against maybe one level higher than this last time out at Aqueduct. And he was only beaten three quarters of a length at uh, at a good price, odds of 12 to one. He ran in that race that Law Professor won. Law professor, of course, is a proven stakes type of runner. So no burn, uh, no shame running second to law professor that day. And I guess if you could go with the theory, well, look, if you could be within three quarters of a length of law professor, you shouldn't have to worry as much about leading contender who doesn't have nearly that kind of a resume. But speed figure wise, leading contender more often than not runs races that are better than, than what no burn runs no burns good races are very very good uh he has never run one of those really big races on back-to-back occasions um and he's coming off what seems like a very good race last time out so i i i don't know if i would call it uh you know whether you use the bounce theory i just like to say that horses regress sometimes i mean it just makes sense you know, if, if a horse fires a really, really big shot or his or her best shot, I mean, let's face it, more often than not, there's one way that it, they're going to go. And, it's, and it ain't forward. Not that they can't, you know, not every horse. You know, some horses do continue to improve. But, it, you know, I, it, you'd be hard-pressed to find five horses in your lifetime that every race they ran was better than the previous one. Um, I, you know, I, I'm not even, you know, I'm going to take a horse like Flightline to be, uh, to be on. I mean, was, was every race he ran better than the race that he ran previously, even his breeders cup classic one, was that, was that a better, was that a better race like speed figure wise than what he did in the Pacific classic when he beat country grammar by 20 lengths or whatever it was. Uh, I don't know. I, you know, so uh, it's just my theory that when when horses come off really big races or their career bests, you know, very often they are either going to plateau or go the other direction, at least for a race or so. Uh, So we'll see if no burn can put two big races back to back. If he does, he's probably the best chance of beating number one leading contender. After this race, we will get you prices at Gulfstream and head over to Gulfstream for the ninth uh, race on their card. Um, And it's the final race on the Gulfstream Park card as they gear up for what is a big day tomorrow. Big day at Gulfstream tomorrow. Big day at Aqueduct tomorrow. Going to be beautiful weather in South Florida. Going to be rainy conditions at Aqueduct. We don't care. We like to see good racing. Here's the eighth at the Big A.
3: They're off. Off a little awkwardly was DJ towards the tail end of the field. Good speed from Rocco Strong right out towards the front and no burn to the inside of that one. These two into that first turn together. At the rail is leading contender. Is a drift out there. That was Kucher who drifted out just a touch. Is in the three path. But DJ is going to be very wide here. A tough opening quarter for DJ who is now rushing up to the outside. Makes it three across the racetrack. And that second grouping there is I Am The Law who's in six. Is three wide in that group. Second to last is going to be alternate reality with the trailer. Mystic Night, they start to sort themselves out. No Burn has got the lead. No Burn, 24.43 for that opening quarter mile. DJ, the big price, is out in the center of the racetrack, is now challenging for second, is in between horses. Here comes Rocco Strong. At the rail, there is leading contender, is in the fourth spot, is a shared fourth there with Kucher, who starts to progress now in the yellow blinkers. I am the law. Jose Gomez is in the clear, is back there in the sixth spot, is three lengths in front of alternate reality with the trailer at the back end of the field. Mystic night 48 and 1 for the half mile time. Down towards the inside is no burn, to the outside it's Rocco Strong. Rocco Strong and No Burn take him into the far turn together. Here comes the move from Kucher, who's now in the three path. Is coming after these leaders quickly. Up on the outside is DJ. At the rail all in is Leading Contender who's trying to rally on. Also trying to make up some late ground is I Am The Law from the back. Alternate Reality. Nothing from Mystic Knight who's tailed off. It's No Burn who's still fending him off and No Burn reaches the top of the stretch. The rail is open here for Leading Contender who's trying to push on through. Center of the racetrack comes Kucher who's got some momentum. Four across the racetrack as Rocco Strong is still in for the fight as well. It's Kuchar who's now challenging and Kuchar's put a nose in front and now a full length in front. It's Kuchar who's sprinting away. Kuchar is now alone in first, is up by a length and a half. Rocco Strong, leading contender, no burn, late run, I am the law. is almost there. Kuchar with the four wins the finale. Kuchar wins it over, leading contender. Then came Rocco Strong in a photo with no burn and one minute, 52 and four.
1: Unofficially 4-1 in a show photo between numbers 2 and 5. No doubt about the winner, number 4, Kucher getting the hard-fought win in the finale over at Aqueduct. Eighth race at Gulfstream Park was won by number 1, Axthelm. He's a 5-year-old bay horse by Into Mischief out of the Smart Strike Mare. Preemptive attack. Owned by Ed Seltzer and Beverly Anderson. Trained by Safi Joseph Jr. Edgar Zayas, the winning rider, on Axthelm. And Axthelm paid 17 dollars $8.20, and $5.60. 2nd three, Mamba on three, dollars 3rd nine, XY Speed, 940 to show. Fourth number 10, City Mischief, Exacta, 8150. The try $5.60, Super, $20,282.90. $20, They're at the gate for the ninth and final at Gulfstream today. Five and a half furlongs on the fast main track. These are maidens. Uh, If they're three-year-old, if they're Florida breds, they run under maiden special weight condition. If they're open company, they're in for the $50,000 tag. Scratch number one, Calypso Charlie. Two to one favorite right now is number eight, Arrogancy, who is already 0 for 6 coming into this race today, but he's been in the money in all six of his career starts. Luis Saez, the Jose D'Angelo trainee. Last few runners going in for the ninth and final at Gulfstream on a Friday afternoon.
4: And r- runners away. Off slowly, moral agency. Off quickly, Arrogancy heading off for the early lead. Celtic Pride's going to run with him. Up on the far outside, At Star of the Beast, who's now in early third. 30-pound test is at the rail in fourth with David Songs between horses alongside Fort Charles. Second last is Entendre in a gap of five to moral agency. They leave the backstretch and move on to the far turn. Celtic Pride has inside position and the lead. Arrogancy is up alongside in second. 30-pound test. He's made ground to take third with Fort Charles on his outside fourth. Entendre is next. Dropping back Star of the Beast passed inside by David Songs. And still at the back is Moral Agency. quarter of a mile remaining here, and jockey John Rivera and Celtic Pride still have the lead. Arrogancy trying to get by on the outside, second, three back to 30-pound test. He's now third. There's an eighth of a mile to go on the inside Celtic Pride to the outside Arrogancy. Two and a half back to 30-pound test. Sixteenth remaining Celtic Pride, very game. On the outside, it's Arrogancy, not by yet. Arrogancy, Celtic Pride, photo finish! What a horse race that was, Celtic pride, so game, Arrogancy with every opportunity to get by. the placing judges will have to decide if he did. It's a win photo at one oh three and three.
9: yeah,
1: that one's real tight, and the final time for the five and a half furlongs one oh three and three solid effort by these maidens Celtic pride inside arrogancy outside nip and tuck all the way down to the line, seven to one on Celtic pride, five to two on the favorite, arrogancey with number two, 30-pound test, a first-time starter for Safi Joseph, rolling late and getting, making it close uh, in the photo, but finishing third. I don't know who won it. The Bob may have gone to Celtic Pride, going to be very tight there, the final results of the ninth and final over at Gulfstream Park. Over at Fairgrounds, we owe you prices from their seventh race, a race that was taken off the turf, uh, maiden event, mile and a sixteenth on the main track, and a first-time starter that was not a secret got the job done. That was number seven, Big To Do, three-year-old bay colt by Cairo Prince out of the majestic Perfection mare Tell Me Again, owned by Novogratz Racing Stables and trained by Brad Cox. Florent Giroux, the winning rider on Big To Do, who paid six eighty-five dollars and two eighty. Second nine, Special Dispatch, 460, 240. Third eight, Fear of Union, 240 to show. Fourth number, 11, Sagittarius, exact at 1270. Trifecta, 960. The Dollar Super, $100.40. We also have prices for the seventh race over at Oaklawn Park, where number eight, Boogie Bodie, put in a strong stretch run and won by daylight. He is a Four year old Dark Bear Brown Gelding by Alternation out of the Blame Mare Belle Jolie, owned by Randy Finnegan, trained by Aaron Shorter. Martin Schwant, the winning rider on Boogie Bodie, who paid $15, $560, and $420. Second nine, Life on the Nile, $5, $360. 3rd 12, Unstable Prince, $9 to show. Fourth number six, Contrabandista. The Exacta paid $34.90. The Trifecta, $164.70. And the dollar superfecto, $1,959.70. Over at Oaklawn Park, they're in the paddock for the eighth race on the card. We've got about 11 minutes to post there. So plenty of time to get over to that race. You know what? Let's get in some prices over at Aqueduct because they have wrapped up their Friday card. And the eighth and final race at Aqueduct uh, was won by number four, Coocher. Kucher is a five-year-old bay horse by Uncle Mo out of Street Hero mare, Street Girl, owned by LSU Stables, trained by Rudy Rodriguez, Ruben Silvera. the winning rider on Kucher, and Kucher returned 21.20, 6.80, and 3.80. Second one, leading contender, three dollars 2.70. Third, five Rocco Strong, 3.70 to show. Fourth, number two, No Burn. Exact $34 trifecta, $93.37, and the dollar superfecta, $525.50. We will get you prices from Gulfstream's finale in just a little bit. Um, in fact, they are not quite in yet. It's just gone official: 78269. The official order of finish: John Rivera and seven to one shot Celtic Pride getting the finale over at Gulfstream Park okay over at Fairgrounds uh, eighth and final race on their Friday card is just two minutes away from post time they have had uh, miserable weather today at Fairgrounds listen I've said this many a times um, and I'm going to say it again I, I don't quite understand what has happened in California this is not something that's happened in the last year it's been a few years in the making but somehow Uh, Southern California, and especially Santa Anita, has turned into the only track in the country, basically, where if it rains, they don't race. And I understand if it's torrential rain, dangerous rain, flooding type rain. Listen, that is what it is. I mean, it it couldn't be. It it, it would look miserable at fairgrounds earlier today, and now it looks like the rain has stopped, at least for the moment, but the track is just cuppy and sloppy and nasty, and it's supposed to rain all day tomorrow at Aqueduct, and they're going through. And by the way, it's only going to be like 40 degrees, so it's just going to be miserable out there tomorrow at Aqueduct. But They're running, going through with their Gotham car, but somehow at Santa Anita, because of all the horses that got hurt a few years ago um, under the current ownership and different management, um things have changed and you know they cater a lot to animal rights activists in california more so than anywhere else i've ever seen almost as if they take their cues from them they've changed rules basically trying to appease those people and those people are people that let's face it they don't like us they don't want anything to do with horse racing they cannot be appeased unless we go away um which kind of makes you seem like, why would you try to appease them then? If they can't be appeased, why are you trying to appease them? So they're not running tomorrow on one of their biggest days of the meet, Big Cap Day. They have pushed tomorrow's card to Sunday and Sunday's card to Monday, where they're supposed to have much better weather in Southern California. I would argue that they are, uh, I mean, and they have a renowned track superintendent uh, in Dennis Moore out there, and I think in his brother a renowned superintendent nope okay not not running if it's raining i i really would like to know and i don't know if this is ever going to happen if they ever had rain in the forecast for a breeder's cup saturday that was scheduled in southern california what would they do i mean we've seen breeder's cups in the rain the, the one i think it was 95 at belmont was just a disaster it was a mess with inside information and cigar and Ridgewood Pearl and those kind of horses. It was a bog that day. The one at Monmouth Park, you almost couldn't see the racetrack. It was so bad. No, no problem. Still running on the turf, still racing. Santa Anita, ah, it's going to rain six days from now. Let's not even take entries. I don't know what's happened. I I don't know how they can get out of it. They've got a few real big problems out there right now. One, uh, they're hamstrung by a lot of these policies. And 2 the purses are falling well behind other quote unquote major race tracks around the country. And they don't have the means to increase the purses like these other tracks do. They don't have casinos, they don't have slots, they don't have instant racing, whatever you want to call whatever these other tracks have. Santa Anita doesn't have it, they're never gonna get it. They're, they're, in, they're in big trouble out there. I, I, I wish I had the genius answer of what to do to solve the problems that are going on uh, in Southern California right now. I I wish I had that answer. I don't. Um, Delmar's got brilliant people at management. Um, They have to deal with what's going on up the coast at Santa Anita and, and deal with some of that bad stuff and uh and try to make a good face of it but they somehow succeed in the summertime and they get all sorts of new horses with the ship and win and whatever and whatever they've done the last few years is just genius and they make money hand over fist los alamitos is a joke they don't really have much of you know the, the cards aren't very good the coral horse racing's awful and when the guy who owns the track passes away and he's old um los alamitos is going to go away he's th- that they won't continue racing there. Um, And Santa Anita is dealing with what they're dealing with. And a lot of it is, you know, from their own doing from several years ago and not necessarily from what the current management is doing. They're just dealing with it. Let's go to fairgrounds for the finale. Here's race eight. Lady broke
5: slow. Fast start for Crazy Katie, who comes rocketing out there for Mitchell Murrell. Crosses in front of the newcomer, Country Angel, and she broke through the gate. Prior to the start, Cairo Charm is running in third. Highliner's Edge gets position, running in fourth, as Crazy Katie has opened up a four-length lead at the three-and-a-half. Jemmy's in the white silks with a black cap, all racing three to four clear. From Sparkle City now, with three furlongs to go on the front outside, Mallory unbridled, then comes Chuchi in the blue, Mallory's ocean, and... Our boss lady trails here in the Friday finale. The quarter was 22.07 seconds, coming toward the quarter pole. It's Crazy Katie as these maiden fillies' mares straighten away. Crazy Katie, Cairo Charm on the outside, and Cairo Charm now for Jose Rodriguez. It's Cairo Charm took the lead from Crazy Katie. Highlanders Edge charging with Country Angel in between horses on the outside. Sparkle City. They come down toward the final sixteenth. It's Cairo Charm. Here's Country Angel for C.J. McMahon at thirteen to one. Country Angel. On the outside, Sparkle City, Country Angel, Sparkle City, Country Angel, Country Angel on the wire. As Sparkle City made that close, then
1: Mallory's Ocean with chuchi and the Cairo charm. Ended up pretty tight on the line between a first-time starter, number one, Country Angel, and an 0 for 16 maiden in number seven, Sparkle City, but it was the firster, I believe, just holding on for the win at a nice price, 13-1. to 1. So you get 13-1 to 1 over 21-1 to 1 in the eighth and final at Fairgrounds. Final time for the five and a half, Furlong's 108 flat. Country angel for Carl Woodley and jockey C.J. McMahon getting the job done in her career debut, scoring at a nice price. Boy, she really wanted the line. She was on the wrong lead the entire final, Furlong, McMahon all over there, just hold on, and the wire came up just in the nick of time as Country Angel gets the win in the, fina- in the finale at Fairgrounds. We'll get you those prices in a bit. Speaking of prices, we had price, we've got the prices for the finale at Gulfstream. Race number nine went to the seven Celtic Pride, a three-year-old Dark Bayer-Brown Colt by St. Patrick's Day out of the With Distinction Mayor, lovely Lexi. If he's by St. Patrick's Day, would it be Celtic Pride? I bet you it's Celtic Pride. Yeah. Uh, owned by Stonehenge, trained by Bo Yates, John Rivera, the winning rider on, I'm going to say, Celtic Pride, who pays $16, dollars 5 and $3.80. 2nd eight, Arrogancy, 360 dollars dollars 80 Good timing there. Third two, 30-pound test, $3.40 to show. Fourth number six, Entonda. The exact at $25.80, the try $70.65 dollar super, four hundred thirty three dollars and fifty cents over at Oaklawn park they uh are not close to the last race of the car they've got 10 races today at Oaklawn park and we're up to race number eight six furlongs the distance an allowance optional claiming event for phillies and mares non-winners of three races lifetime in fact sorry not an allowance optional claimer it's a condition claimer it is Fifty thousand dollars the claiming tag, and they're all non-winners of three races lifetime. Excuse me, as Steve Martin would say, or as he once said. Number five, Birdie's cause has been scratched. Field of ten going to post. Number seven, Demi, who was six to one on the morning line, is bet down to six to five right now for the team of Shea Stewart and Christian Torres. All right. So, is was the morning line bad, or is this one just taking a lot of strange action? Demi won three starts ago against a other than level allowance competition at Oaklawn Park uh, at a big price, and then last two starts has been facing tougher in the allowance optional claiming ranks, dropping into this conditioned claimer today. I'm going to say taking strange action. Listen, I'm I'm not afraid to to if I think a morning line's bad, I'm not afraid to say a morning line's bad. I don't think the morning line was off in this run. I don't know how you could see Demi from a morning line standpoint being 6-5, to 7-0. And actually, as I'm saying that, uh, she is drifting up. She is actually 3-2 to two right now on the board. She is one of those, and I've said this many times, her good races certainly put her right there. She's no better than about four or five others in this race. So I'm wondering what it is. That people, I mean, is it the rider change going from Walter Dela Cruz, who is not a high percentage rider at Oakland, to Christian Torres, who is one of the top riders at Oakland Park? Maybe, maybe that's it. Um, hard to say. Still too short of a price for me, seven to five right now on the board. Second choice is the eleven Code for Success. Now Code for Success won against non-winners of two lifers at this fifty thousand dollar level last time out on a sloppy track broke from the rail that day got out of the gate last in the field of 12 and closed from about four and a half lengths back at the first call to win uh, by over a length in fact made the lead by the time they got to the top of the stretch and then held sway down the lane now um, that was easily the best race that this chris hartman trainee had run in a while and actually it was the first time ever running for Chris Hartman was previously trained by Vicki Oliver and hadn't run races like that speed figure wise since maybe the fall of 2022. Um, listen, Chris Hartman, it seems like everything he runs, uh, seems to run very, very well, uh, off to a nice start at this Oaklawn meet winning at a 19% cliff. And, um, If Code for Success can repeat that big effort that he showed against Slightly Softer on a wet track last time out against uh, this competition on a dry track today, uh, he's going to be very, very tough. By the way, after this race, we're going to head over to Santa Anita uh, for probably the only time today is they're about three or four minutes away from post time for the fifth race on the Santa Anita card. And uh, we will get some Santa Anita action in on this Friday afternoon but first things first we're not done with race eight at Oaklawn Park in fact we're not even done loading for this eighth race at Oaklawn Park but they are loading right now number four there's a silver lining moves into the starting gate here's the gray Philly collected glory with Alberto Pusak aboard toward the outside lady dreamer and code for success to complete the line here's race eight hot springs
6: And uh, Leroff, the favorite Demi, was away last and is at the rear of the field after that. Twirling Tigress from the inside, wings from above. These two get acquainted on the lead, and they put two lengths on Teresa's silver Linen, who runs in the third position, Lady Dreamer outside of Velicki. They're side-by-side, side, four lengths off the pace as wing from above gets to the rail and establishes a clear lead. Teresa's silver Linen moving up with an aggressive move to take the second spot. Twirling Tigress taken back to third between horses, Lady Dreamer outside, and Velicki is inside of that pair into the turn. A gap of two and a half to code for success. Shanghai Express has already come under a ride. Sweet Mother Mary right behind her in a gap of six to Collected Glory. And Demi has a lot of work to do as they round the far turn. Teresa's Silver Linen comes away with the lead. Wings from above plummets back. Here comes Lady Dreamer on the outside at a big price. 29 to 1. Lady Dreamer, Teresa's Silver Linen down the stretch together on the outside. Lady Dreamer on the Inside Teresa's silver lining, Lady Dreamer drifting to the center of the track. Teresa's silver lining still battling, and he's out finishing her now. Teresa's silver lining pulling away under Harry Hernandez. Teresa's silver lining to win by two. Lady Dreamer was second. Demi from four out of it gets third. Code for success, fourth.
1: Unofficially, 4 7 in the eighth race at Oaklawn Park. Number four, there's a silver lining for the team of Harry Hernandez and trainer Dan Ward getting the job done at odds of six to one, race eight over at Oaklawn Park. Let's head over to Santa Anita for the first time. Uh, they are expecting showers sometime today, definitely tonight, and all day tomorrow. We've said it many, many times. They have had to postpone one of their biggest days of the meet. Well, I wouldn't say they've had to postpone. They decided to postpone one of the biggest days of their meet. Tomorrow, Big Cap Day. They are running it Sunday. And instead, uh, four graded stakes on the Big Cap card, including a couple of turf races. Hopefully, they'll be able to stay on the turf with the move to Sunday. Bob Nastanovich and I are going to talk about all four of those Santa Anita graded stakes uh, coming up as part of our Am Wager Weekend Stakes preview just 30 minutes from now. But they're at the gate for race number five, and the turf is firm today at Santa Anita. One mile on the turf for this Calbred Maiden special weight event for fillies and mares ages four and five. Scratch number five, Warren's Paradise. We have a field of seven gathering for this race. All eyes on the eight, Ashley's Sandcastle for Phil D'Amato and Jockey Juan Hernandez. Already 0 for 8 in her career, but she's really been uh, running some good races of late. And a, a repeat of either of her last two starts certainly would make her very, very tough. This is another case of where she looks good. But she doesn't look four to five good. And that's probably the fact that you've got Phil D'Amato, who wins every turf race, it seems like, in Southern California, and Juan Hernandez, who was certainly one of the top riders out there over the last few years. Ashley Sandcastle, the one to beat, probably overbet at four to five as she moves up to the starting gate. And here's Frank Miramati on the call.
9: Movement from Bougie-like. Straightens up. And they're off. Very even start. Hey, Demps, take care of me along the inside. Here's Bougie-like joining the party on the outside of them, and Isabel Ludlow will back off of the pace battle. Just in behind them comes Glacier Rim, who's down on the inside of Blonzilla with Ashley's Sandcastle. And about six lengths covers the entire field. Take Carami goes on to the back stretch, leading with less than six furlongs to travel. Hay Demps a length and a half-back second, followed by Isabel Ludlow, saving ground along the rail, and Bougie-like is in fourth, four lengths off the leader. Glacier Rim, Ashley Sandcastle are right together, and Blonzilla, two behind them. At the half-mile pole, it's Take Caramee leading the way at a big number, Has it by a half length. Hay Demps, the gray in second. On the inside, Isabel Ludlow. The other gray is third. Bougie-like, fourth on the outside, three lengths off the leaders. Then Glacier Rim in the green. Ashley Sandcastle has five lengths to make up. And Blonzilla goes three wide outside of that pair as Hay Demps is the new leader a quarter of a mile from home. Bougie like dropping right out of it. It's Hay Demp's a length and a half. Take care of me on the inside second. It's been a good trip for Isabel Ludlow, who will angle out for the drive. Then Ashley Sandcastle and on the inside Glacier Rim. Hay Demp's two length lead, a sixteenth out. Isabel Ludlow, Ashley Sandcastle getting going, but it's a little late. And it will be Hay Demp's. Hay Demp's with a good trip to victory. Scores under Armando Ayuso, Isabel Ludlow ashley's Sandcastle, Glacier Rim and a long way back between Blonzilla and Take Care of Me. Final time for the mile 1 minute 36 seconds flat order of
1: finish 4 3 8 2 in the 5th race at Santa Anita number 4 Hay Demps for trainer Mike Pipey and jockey Armando Ayuso getting the job done Hay Demps uh, odds of 4 to 1 One of several in here that speed figure wise looked like she had a chance. I mentioned it going into as they were going to the gate. Number eight, Ashley Sandcastle, who ran fine, ran third, beaten about two lengths, maybe even less than that. She just didn't look like six to five in this race or whatever she ended up at. She looked like one of the ones in here. And probably because of the connection, she got bet more than she should have. And uh, if you took advantage of that and somehow came up with the winner number four, hey, Demps, you maybe got a better price than that you thought you might get. Four, three, eight, two—the top four finishers uh, in this fifth race over at Santa Anita. Uh, as we came out of our last break, we actually heard the stretch run of the 1985 edition of the Grade One Santa Anita Handicap, won by the Charlie Whittingham trainee Lord at War. Um, Trevor Denman on the call, Lord at War, and you heard names. Uh, you, you heard uh, some other names that you may have recognized in that field, including Granton, who came back the next year and won the '86 running of the Big Cap. Uh, my favorite San Anita handicap. I'll tell you a story about the '86 Big Cap. Uh, first of all, I think it was the largest attendance uh, ever at San Anita. They had, I want to say, they had 83,000 people at Santa Anita for the 1986 big cap. And Granton was a really, really nice horse for Charlie Whittingham. And I think uh, Mary Bradley and Whittingham may have part-owned it, it maybe, and some other people as well. And I, th- I want to say Lafitte Pinkai rode Granton. For some reason, I was never a Granton fan. Uh, I actually went on later later in life and worked for Charlie Whittingham and uh, mentioned that to him, and he didn't find it nearly as funny as, uh, as I found it. But anyway... Um, I was always a Precisionist fan, and Precisionist ran in the big cap in 1986. And you may remember Precisionist actually won the Breeders' Cup Sprint in 1985, the only year the Breeders' Cup was held at Aqueduct. Um, and I think he won uh, like the San Carlos or something, some other uh, you know sprint race at Santa Anita, uh, like in January of of 86 and off that maybe a seven furlong race and off that he was going to go a mile and a quarter in the big cap and he had run well around two turns in the past a mile and a quarter was certainly a, a question mark uh but he was a horse that obviously was uber talented and listen it's just i was young and impressionable and you could have told me anything precisionists could have run basically anywhere and i was probably going to like him um anyway uh i want to say 5 days before the San Anita handicap it was definitely less than a week and i want to say 5 you know no more than 7 days but i think 5 precisionist worked 6 furlongs in 108 and 3 i'm going to repeat that he worked an official timed work in 108 and 3 not from the gate but from the pole still he worked 8 and 3 and the whole hullabaloo was, did he work too fast for a horse that was going a mile and a quarter, whatever it was, five days later, working six furlongs faster than most horses, you know, 99% of horses can run six furlongs, uh, was, that, was that too fast? And I don't know if it was too fast or not, but he didn't win. And he didn't have much down the lane uh, in the 86 running. Of the san anita handicap but uh, grayton ended up getting the win really some phenomenal horses have won this race over the years it was a race that began in the mid-30s and of course uh, it it got some renewed publicity uh with the movie sea biscuit he of course won the race in 1940 um but over the years horses like Round Table and crozier and hillrise and lucky debonair and akak have won the race and spectacular bid and affirmed and john henry won twice once via disqualification interco was a really really good horse i I can't remember it was 83 or 84 i want to say 84 uh for ted west interco won the race he was a really really talented runner um and and then uh it's kind of it's kind of gone down in stature and importance Over the last few years uh, for several weeks and for no listen, Santa Anita has a lot of problems and a lot of them are self-inflicted. The loss of luster of the Santa Anita handicap is not something that they really could do something with. Now, uh, one of the things that caused a problem for them is that the main thing that's caused a problem is that there are other places, not only around the country, but uh, around the world that are having big races for this handicap division long on the dirt for more money than the Santa Anita Handicap. I mean, the Santa Anita Handicap was a million dollars. uh I believe at some point, at least it was a half a million dollars. Did it get up to a million? It may not have. I think it was like a half a million. may have been $600,000 for many, many years, uh which is big money. Except then, you know, Gulfstream introduces this Pegasus and for the first, you know, it, it was a, I think it was a $12 million race one year and a $16 million race one year and then a $9 million, and still $3 million. It's a $3 million race. Um, but you've got Dubai and you've got Saudi that have come in and it's a $12 million race in Dubai in March and it's a $20 million race in Saudi Arabia in February. And let's face it, now that they're, you know, you've know you got uh, a race at Santa Anita that's, I think it's a $300,000 race now, something like that. Um, it's basically like any other handicap race i mean uh, not that you know three hundred thousand dollars is sneezing money but you're not going to get the best horses in the world when they can run a week earlier for 20 million dollars and you know get first class accommodations to go halfway around the world or run for 12 million dollars in another three or four weeks or run for three million dollars a month and a half ago so um They're kind of up against it with, uh, you know, the Santa Anita handicap used to be in a perfect position calendar wise for what it was. And now uh, it's in a terrible position, Uh, but it is going to be a fun race and part of a mega stakes card on Sunday out at the great race place. All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we owe you prices from Fairgrounds, Oaklawn, and Santa Anita. This is betting with Bobby on H.R.R.N.
0: What
7: does the chicken say? Uh chicken. Oh, okay. Uh mm. and a wolf? Oh, a wolf. Ooh! Uh, uh. What about the tiny dog?
8: Cat. Aww. Owl! Ooh, ooh, ooh. dolphin. What does the turkey say? <laughs> well. Yeah, well,
7: so. To the giraffe. Giraffe, really? Okay. Giraffe. Uh, giraffe. Giraffe.
8: Giraffe. You're not going to get it all right. Just make sure you know the big stuff, like making sure your kids are buckled correctly in the right seat for their age and size. Get it right.
0: Visit NHTSA.gov
8: slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
3: Hey, what's up, y'all? I'm Kelly Clarkson. And as the daughter of a school teacher, I know just how important education is. No matter how old you are or your situation, continuing to learn will enrich your life and help remove barriers you didn't even know
2: were there. So much opportunity, y'all. Whether it's a foreign language, history, or a different way to look at things, take some time each day to learn something new. This message is courtesy of the
3: United States Air Force.
7: Daisy was abandoned by her family and placed in foster care at 15 years old. Her life was full of uncertainty. She thought she'd never have a permanent place to call home.
2: Before I was adopted, I felt like I wasn't enough. I had this hole in my heart and I never knew what I needed to patch that hole. But when my mom asked to adopt me, that hole is closed. It feels so normal now to say that I'm a part of this family. I am surrounded by love. I feel safe. And that hole inside of me is gone. I am whole. I'm finally enough, just as I am.
7: The Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption is changing the lives of teenagers at risk of aging out of foster care. Like Daisy, every child deserves a permanent, loving home. You can help. Learn more at DaveThomasFoundation.org.
2: Tips that are easy to understand and tailored to your lifestyle.
5: I like that too.
2: Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Just head to org and make your plan to start saving for retirement. Thanks. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council.
0: Thursday evenings 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern is the brisnet.com call-in show. It's your chance to call in and let the horse racing radio nation know what's on your mind. Call us at 888-966-HRRN that's 888-966-4776 and discuss the topics you choose in the world of thoroughbred racing. The brisnet.com call-in show Sirius 162 XM 207 and streaming live at horseracingradio.net you're listening to Betting with Bobby on the Horse Racing Radio Network. It's devil his due, and a real tussle here with Lore. They straighten away into the stretch. And on the upside, Devil Has Due has taken a short lead. Lore is bravely battling back toward the inside. Their leg weary but brave as they pass the eighth pole inseparably. Farther back, best decorated as third. It's still Lore and
8: Devil His Due slugging it out for the entire mile of the Gotham. And it's going to be a head bob. Here's the line and it's a photo finish. Lore and Devil Has Due under the line together in the Gotham.
1: Welcome back. Betting with Bobby here on HRRN. I'm Bobby Newman. here with you every Friday, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern time as we lead into our AM wager weekend Stakes preview. Because every Friday night from 6 to 7 p.m. Bob Nostanovich is going to join me tonight to talk about 12 graded stakes from around the country. And that kicks off oh, just about 15 minutes from now. Uh, oh, your prices from basically everywhere. So we'll start out at the fairgrounds where the eighth and final race on the card was won by number one Country Angel. She's a four-year-old gray or Roan filly by Country Day out of the Teton Forest Mare, riding with angels owned by Heather LaMarche and trained by Carl Woodley. C.J. McMahon, the winning rider on number one Country Angel, who paid $29.20, dollars and $10.00. Second seven, Sparkle City, 15 dollars $12.00. Third, 10, Mallory's Queen, or rather Mallory's Ocean, $21 to show. Boy, nothing but big prices in the finale at Fairgrounds. Fourth was number six, Cairo Charm. The exact at $2.19.70. The trifecta $2,177.15. The dollar super, $22,177.20. Over at Oaklawn Park. Uh, results of their eighth race have gone official, and the winner was number four. There's a Silver Linen, four-year-old bay Philly, by Stanford, out of the Euro Silver mare Blues and Silvers, owned by Flurry Racing Stables, trained by Dan Ward, Harry Hernandez, the winning rider on There's a Silver Linen, who paid $15.20, 1520, 620, and 380. Second, ten Lady Dreamer, 2280 and 880. Third, seven demis 260 to show. Fourth, number 11, code for success. Exact a 149.10. The trifecta 438.90. Dollar super $3,095.90. Over at Santa Anita, fifth race on their card was won by number four, Hay Demps. Four year old gray or roan filly by Smiling Tiger out of the Rockport Harbor, mare sheparoo Owned by Tommy Hutton's Dream Team Stable, or Dream Stable and trained by Mike Pipey, Armando Ayuso, the winning rider on Hey Demps, who paid $10.80, five dollars and three twenty. Second, three Isabel Ludlow, five dollars to place, two eighty to show. Third, number eight Ashley Sandcastle, two ten to show. Fourth, number two Glacier Rim, the exact of thirty dollars even, trifecta sixty-eight forty, the dollar superfecta three hundred fifty-three dollars and 80 cents as we came out of our last break we heard the stretch run of the 1992 edition of the gotham and the gotham is a race that uh, is typically held this time of year in new york at aqueduct and is obviously a road on uh, a race that is a uh, a major stepping stone toward the wood memorial and then uh, hopefully if things go well uh, toward the Kentucky Derby. In 1992, we saw a race that was right down to the wire between Lore and Devil His Due. Don't really think of Lore these days as a dirt horse, but obviously he was good enough to dead heat with a very talented Alan Jerkins trainee in Devil His Due in that 1992 edition of the Gotham. Uh, too tight to call with Lore and Mike Smith, Devil His Due, and Herb McCauley. Finishing right together through a mile in 135 and 3. Uh, and both Lure and Devil His Due went on to obviously great things. Lure ended up winning 14 of 25 career starts, including the Breeders' Cup mile on turf in both 92 and 93. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2013. Devil His Due. Although he uh, did not enjoy success in the Breeders' Cup overall, won 11 of his 41 starts. In fact, he was first or second, 23 of 41 starts, banked just under $4 million in his career. And uh, that Gotham dead heat uh, back in 1992 was his first ever stakes when he would go on to win the grade one Wood Memorial in his next start. And uh, be a multiple graded stakes winner the rest of his career. I think he won the Suburban, which was a Grade One a couple of times. He won the Brooklyn. He won the Excelsior, and I think he may have won the Gulfstream Park Handicap as well. And there was a race that used to be called the Broward Handicap uh, that he won too. So uh, Devil His Due and Lure were obviously two horses that were very very good. They will go on to much bigger and better things after they kind of tipped their hand, if you will by dead heating with one another in the 1992 edition uh, of the Gotham. The Gotham is a race that uh, has been run since the earlier mid-1950s, and uh, horses like Jiper and Dr. Fager and Secretariat have all won the race. Uh, The race really kind of... uh, you know, not to say anything negative about Dr. Fager and Jiper and Secretariat. I mean, they're three of the top horses we've ever seen. But uh, really, in the mid to late 80s, we and, and even in the 90s, we started seeing some horses that would really go on to be great, get the job done in the wood. Do you remember Eternal Prince? Uh, who I think he was a horse that ended up being was was he the horse that ran in the Derby? In 1985, that George Steinbrenner either owned all or part of with Kinsman Stable. Uh, I know uh, Butch Lanzini trained the horse for a while, and, and Richard Migliori rode him to victory in the Gotham, but uh, Eternal Prince was a go to Magombo, was a really nice one. Uh, at the time for Leroy Jolly and then uh, gone west for Woody Stevens got the job done easy goer won the race in 1989 I think he set both the stakes and track record uh, for the mile at at Aqueduct in 1989 132 and 3 was it 132 and 3 132 and 2 let me look that up real quick Uh, 132 and 2 yeah easy goer did set the uh, stakes and track record uh, when he won the race in 1989. And then uh, even horses like Talking Man was a real nice one for Roger Atfield. Red Bullet, obviously very talented uh, for the Stronic Stables and Joe Orsino. Um, but lately, we haven't seen those kind of runners. We've seen horses that are good and not great. It, it and, and I think the reason is that horses that... that the, the connections these days want to be running longer distances. If, they're ha- if they are have Kentucky Derby dreams, they want to be going longer than a mile and a one-turn mile at that by the time they get to early March. And you have so many other choices, too. I mean, uh, we just saw the Rebel run last weekend uh, around two turns. We saw the Risen Star at a mile and an eight two weeks ago. Um it, you know, and, and there's so many other places. Like, just take a look at what else is going this weekend. You have the San Felipe out at San Anita, which is a mile and a 16th. Um, you've got the Fountain of Youth at Gulfstream, which is a mile and a 16th. Um, so you have a, a lot more chances to, one, run longer, and two, run around two turns. Uh, and you, you get the feeling that some of the horses that are running in the Gotham nowadays, even though they may have Kentucky Derby dreams, you uh, I wouldn't even say in the back of their minds, maybe in the front of their minds are thinking, well, we've got the Pat Day Mile uh, Derby Week at Churchill Downs, race that formerly was known as the Derby Trial and used to be run the opening day at Churchill, which was exactly one week before Kentucky Derby Day. I mean, you know, the horse's weren't running in the Derby trial anymore and then running in the Kentucky Derby. Way back when, it used to actually be basically the Derby trial. You do well in that race, you come back a week later, run the Kentucky Derby. It's not the way most people train these days here in the States or basically anywhere. Um, So the Derby trial became the Pat Day Mile. It's no longer on opening night, I don't think. And uh, I would guess that a lot of these horses that are going to run in the Gotham tomorrow... Uh, Maybe pointing for that down the line um, instead of maybe thinking Derby. It is a Kentucky Derby points qualifier, and the fact of the matter is that the winner of the Gotham gets 50 Kentucky Derby qualifying points, which is enough to get into the Kentucky Derby. So uh, the winner of this race might end up going to the wood Memorial and or the Kentucky Derby. But I would guess a lot of the other ones that are in the race tomorrow, may be pointing for the Pat day mile. And it is a fantastic renewal of the Gotham. Um, There are some horses. You just don't know how good they're going to be just a touch. Who's the morning line favorite for Brad Cox uh, was rumored to be a good thing before his career debut and just uh, obliterated a field on a sloppy track at fairgrounds about a month ago. He figures to be the favorite in the race, um, You've got Christophe Clamont with uh, a couple of runners in the field coming off maiden wins, capital idea. Uh, broke his maiden on a sloppy track at Aqueduct going one mile uh, just over a month ago while deterministic. Uh, broke his maiden last summer at Saratoga. And um, if he comes back as good as when he left, he certainly is one that could be very dangerous. And then you have El Grande O. For trainer Linda Rice, uh, this one already a multiple stakes winner in his career, albeit against state bread competition when he was winning. But he almost never runs a bad race. He's been in the money nine of ten career starts in El Grande O. Uh, maybe the most accomplished runner in the race, but probably will be overlooked a little bit at the windows. Bergen, another uh, stakes winner already who figures to have a chance. Fun addition of the Gotham. By the way, uh, speaking of Linda Rice, her... Suspension begins on Sunday, so uh, I think they kind of, or she tried to have it uh, postponed until after this big card tomorrow at Aqueduct. And she will begin, I what is it, a two-week suspension for, uh, well, let's just say for malfeasance. How about that? Anyway, I want to remind everybody, um, tickets for the 41st running of the Breeders' Cup World Championships to be held November 1st and 2nd at Del Mar will go on sale Monday, April 22nd. Fans can sign up to receive ticket information at breederscup.com forward slash 2024. The 2024 World Championships will feature 14 grade one races and $31 million in purses and awards. Located on the shores of the Pacific Ocean, Del Mar is unique in its picturesque natural backdrop while the surrounding area attracts visitors from around the world in the pursuit of top-class racing, beautiful beaches, award-winning cuisine, and boutique hotels. You can also learn more about the Breeders' Cup experiences at breederscupexperiences.com. Should be a fun Breeders' Cup coming up November 1st and 2nd at Del Mar. That is going to wrap it up today on Betting with Bobby. For our producer Lee Delapina, I'm Bobby Newman. Thank you so much for joining in this afternoon. I want to remind everybody, HRRN is not done this weekend. AmWager weekend stakes preview is coming up next, just three minutes from now. Bob and the Stanovich and myself, are going to look at a dozen races from around the country, and then tomorrow morning, you've got the Equine Forum presented by Twin Spires with our good friend Mike Penna from 8 to 11 a.m. Eastern time. Don't forget, AmWager weekend stakes preview now just three minutes away.